We are a few of us, but uh, more than enough for the Lord to be among us. He said uh, two or three. He's very generous. Whoever gathers in his name, he's there. With other words, the beginning of the year, the first Sabbath, and I would like to ask a question. Do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? Somebody has? I'm not going to. Just curious. Huh? Has somebody made? Okay, one, two. Rafael, do you have one? I know you have one. Okay. It's, I mean, uh, it's good to have resolution. Uh, and I believe that uh, all the time we hear something from the word of, Lord, of the Lord that convinces us of wrong, maybe we should make a resolution not to do it and change. They say that uh, they made a list I heard on the radio about what do the people resolutions sounds like at the beginning of the year. And they say that uh, one of the top of the list is people want to be, what do you think? And do something to be healthier and be in better shape and do better. And I think it's a good wish, you know. I had my family uh, this holiday sick. <laughs> the little one started, my wife, and we didn't operate it right, you know. Naomi couldn't go out, the little one couldn't go out and that. So, you know, uh, when you're sick, you are sick. You feel like laying down, don't have power. So when we are sick, we think, oh, I wish I will not be sick and be healthy. So maybe we should be more careful and judge from cause to effect and try to prevent uh, from getting sick. The only thing is we are so weak and we need God's strength to help us to learn when we get sick to make a resolution that we will not do something that might influence us. Actually, I have, this is just the introduction. It's not, I'm not going to talk too much about health, just for you something to think for the New Year's. In my study, uh, preparing for this sermon, I find this one about uh, what the spirit of prophecy tells us about the necessity of being more careful about health and and uh, here is what she said. Our tables are frequently spread with luxuries, neither helpful nor necessarily, because we love, we love these things more than we love self-denial, freedom from disease, and soundness of mind. Jesus sought earnestly for strength from his Father, this the divine Son of God consider of more value even for himself than to sit at the most luxurious table. So here is a point that she made. We uh, eat things that are harmful. And we don't practice self-denial. We don't want to have freedom from disease. And we don't want to uh, have soundness of mind. Maybe we should uh, repent and stop doing that. And to get me in trouble, I'll mention a few things that we still eat and they are very harmful. <laughs> I, hope. I mean, uh, uh, we still eat lots of chocolate, cocoa, and that's very harmful, especially to the soundness of mind. Of course, they say, oh, Nick, you didn't read the, uh, you know, on the internet, the show helps your memory, eating chocolate and that, but... 
you know, what's interesting, now there are people speaking up about, and the, you know, the chemical and what's happening to your brain, it's, it's undisputable. It's clear. And, uh, you know, it's, I thought, oh, this is a recent stuff, but actually the same thing I read in an article published in 1890-something by A.T. Jones. And he talks there about theobromine, and it's the same like those uh, drugs that are like in caffeine and cocaine and all that, and have the same effect upon, because they are, they are the same family. But we still consume them, and we don't have a sound mind. Another thing I think that we should consider fermented foods. Those are not good for us either. But... Uh, as I say, I'm not going to preach too much, but I think we should be careful about those things. The, the problem is this one. When you eat them, they taste good, and you don't see what's happening to your. But we shouldn't go by the feelings. No, that's what the Bible. We should walk by faith and by what the, you know, uh, good sense discover now, and, you know, things are uh, there at the open. But uh, we have to... Uh, to make uh, a decision that we will take serious about our health and practice self-denial and we will have freedom from disease and we'll have a sound mind if we will that. But we are weak and we need God's strength and Christ is ready to help us if we will just acknowledge first and then he will help us. The problem is, of course, there are just a few people like um, not very high up in the, that speaks about those things. And the sad part is the people that should do those things, they preach a different message. I know recently of a lady that died and she had a ministry about health and she was in her 60s and she died of cancer. And uh, one of her last wishes was to eat some chocolate. It's very sad, but she could not swallow anymore. So do you know what they did? They gave her some that she could drink, some uh, of those hot chocolate or whatever that she could drink. The problem is God cannot help us and heal us when we don't obey, especially the light that he gave us. And his hands are tied up because we uh, disobey, and he cannot endorse that. Of course, I'm not going to start judging, but we should be wise and see, you know, to have health, you have to eat healthy and take care of it. And we have lots of good advice about what's healthy and what's not. But uh, I hope I didn't ruin your appetite, but I think we have to uh, make a decision. We will do things that will promote health and a sound mind, and we need it more than ever to have a sound mind. Actually, my message today is a, it's a different one. It's more about spirituality. And I, uh, I was reading, uh, trying to find when I was preparing, and I ran across this message uh, that uh, I like to look at, and uh, it's found in First Peter chapter 4. We had the memory verse, and we will try to look at the Bible and see here what's the thought or what's the message we can take it to heart and influence our lives so we can live in a in a in that frame of mind and here is what peter tells us in the 
in chapter 4. I mean, there are several ideas there. I don't know if you are going to get to all of them, but we'll start with the first two verses that uh, Raphael read from uh, the first Peter, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that had suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of man, but to the will of God. So what Peter is telling us, you know, look at Christ, how he suffered, and likewise arm yourself with the same mind. In a way, see there what was causing the suffering and be prepared to have the same kind of experience. And actually he said, uh, he had, uh, when you do that and you do this kind of suffering, you will cease from sin. The result will be you will be living to the will of God and you will not sin anymore. And uh, you will be changed. You will not live any longer as people around you and all this loss, but you will uh, live and you'll do the will of God. So one of the things we should look and uh, try to see is about the suffering of Christ and what does Peter talks about this suffering because, you know, it's a very important key to understand that. Is it physical suffering that he talks here we should be likewise minded that we should go through or he talks about a different kind of suffering? Because, you know, there is a, uh, a church <laughs> that is apostatized, the Babylon, they promote the same kind of physical sufferings. You know, you weep yourself, you wear things that causes you pain, and they think, oh, that's the way you follow Christ. You suffer like he did suffer. And uh, that's, it's, uh, it's actually against of what the Bible teaches because God does not want that and he does not enjoy that. Christ had did suffer for us, so we won't have to go around suffering anymore. But let's look about here the suffering that Christ suffered. That's very important. And for that, I was thinking to go into what the spirit of prophecy reveals, because it makes it so much clear, and uh, we can hopefully understand better what was the suffering that uh, Christ died of, and actually... Uh, when you understand that, we will uh, will have a different life experience. One of the, our problem is, you know, we are uh, influenced so much of the culture around. You know, the and the Catholic Church they they promote the physical sufferings. That was, you know, even the movie, many people talk about the passion of the Christ. People crying when we saw that make-believe movie and they thought, ah, oh, that was suffering. He was beaten with those kind of that. But uh, I looked into what the spirit of prophecy revealed and I recommend you, when you have time today, there is a chapter in the second uh, book of testimony uh, in the I think it's uh, subtitle 17 at page 200 it starts and it's, it talks about the sufferings of Christ. And you will see there 
that the physical suffering it was just a small fract of the suffering that Christ went through. And she even in that chapter talks about the martyrs had went through a physical suffering that might have been more painful than Christ went. You know, when uh, the Inquisition won, they, Satan conduct those people to invent matters to promote suffering without you dying. And he, you know, it's, if you want to have a kind of a troubling experience, go and see one of those uh, Inquisition museums. I think there is one in Netherlands and some others where you will see there. It's, uh, I mean, only when you read the description, it's enough. You don't want to see it. See there, but but that was not really what causes the suffering, the most suffering of Christ. And uh, to I'll read a little bit about what the spirit of prophecy reveals. What was the suffering that Christ went through? That was really serious sufferings. Uh, and here is uh, a few uh, passages that describes what was going on when Christ died on Calvary. And here is a, what uh, is... I took a few passages from that chapter, I, I said, uh, that describes uh, the most important points there. We can have but faint con- conceptions of the inexpressible anguish of God's dear son in Gethsemane as he realized his separation from his father in consequence of bearing man's sin. He became sin for fallen race. The sense of the withdrawal of his father's love pressed from his anguished soul these mournful words. My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. The divine Son of God was fainting, dying. The Father sent a messenger from his presence to strengthen the divine sufferer and brace him to tread his blood-stained path. Could mortals have viewed the amazement and the sorrow of the angelic host as they watched in silence Grief, the Father separating his beams of life, love, and glory from the beloved Son of his bosom, they would better understand how offensive sin is in the, his sight. So this crucifixion and uh, what happened just prior to that uh, was not a make-believe like you see and you participate when you watch a movie when people act how they suffer, when uh, they actually they don't really suffer. Actually, sometimes they say to make a little bit real, they let a little bit of pain to be to the actors because they make it more believable. But that was the real stuff. And when Christ took upon himself the sin of the world, that was not just a story. He did it, really took upon him our sin, and what God had treated him was like uh, he punished sin. Actually, to uh, try to understand a little bit that, it's just imagine, if you can, uh, 
that uh, that was not it just was imagine of the people when we will work, wake up in the second uh, resurrection and they will be lost that was the experience Christ had went through because the sins was he really took upon him our sin and paid what is worth it. So actually here is uh, Ellen White clearly says the same thing. Uh, and uh, here is uh, is not just my own. And that's what causes so much pain to him. As the Son of God bowed in the attitude of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, the agony of his spirit forced from his pores sweat like drops of blood. It was here that the horror of great darkness surrounded him. The sins of the world were upon him. He was suffering in man's stead as a transgressor of his father's law. Here was the scene of temptation. The divine light of God was receding from his vision, and he was passing into the hands of the powers of darkness. In his soul anguish, in his soul anguish, he lay prostrate of the cold earth. He was realizing his father frown. He had taken the cup of suffering from the lips of guilty man and proposed to drink it himself and in its place give to man the cup of blessing. The wrath that will have fallen upon man was now falling upon Christ. It was here that the mysterious cup trembled in his hand. So here Christ was punished as we deserved and no, was nothing and uh, was uh, just the judge punishment for what we deserve but Christ took upon himself and in change he gave us the cup of blessing. I mean this is a you know, and that's why Christ said that the uh, God, the Father, withdrew from Himself. He didn't have the assurance of, uh, you know, the. And think about as much as we can about when you think about relationship. You had a good relationship for many years with somebody. Hopefully, you had somebody. You had maybe a parent or a wife or a husband and then suddenly that relationship is back hey I don't want to have to do anything to you you are you know you are uh, I don't know the relationship is back think about Christ uh, and his father they live through all eternity but you know when uh, in Gethsemane Christ took upon him the sin and he knew how God the Father sees sin, and that pr- brought a, r- a rapture in their relationship. Because was a, Christ became sin for us, and, and God cannot stand still sin. And uh, that's why he, he felt forsaken. And that's why he said in that way. And it, of course, we cannot really comprehend what was going on, but in a way, we can understand or at least we should understand how bad sin is. 
And that was the thing that uh, caused uh, God's, I mean, God's son to suffer that much. And uh, the idea is this one. Uh, it was needed so people will understand how serious sin is. And we have a, a faint understanding of how horrendous sin is. Only the cross of Calvary will help us to understand. And... Uh, it's uh, it's something that will reveal as much as we can understand God's love for us and what Christ did really went through to find a way for us to be forgiven. Here is the last paragraph that I'd like to share with you. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye have loved me, ye will have rejoiced. Because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. If you love me, keep my commandments. He that had my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I love him and will manifest myself to him. If a man love me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Here is Ellen White quoting from John. This is an expression of God's love for fallen man. By these words, our Savior places in our hands a line enabling us to find something of the depth of his infinite love and prove the sincerity of our love for him. The finite man can not comprehend this love in all its depth and magnitude. As we study the sufferings of Christ, the results of sin are so distressing to us that we cry out to the Lord to take our sins. As we continue to, to look, we become more capable of enduring the sight of what Christ suffered. And we realize more and more clearly his love for us. The cross of Christ is invested with a wonderful attraction and unlimited power. For in the suffering connected with the crucifixion scene, God's love becomes to us more and more impressive. So here is a when you understand what was going on, you really want to stop doing what causes that. You will, the result will be when you really understand what was going on, you will part with your sin. You don't want to cause any more of that. And uh, that's how you understand more and more. I mean, when, when you understand this, seeing the, uh, it's just the beginning of the work. Because uh, that's where it starts. You understand how horrendous sin is and you decide to leave the sin behind and live a righteous. The only thing is, as, as you start that walk, the Lord will reveal you as you go, this is what I don't like, it. this, 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 and he will remove. He'll start with the bigger ones and then remove that. The only problem is we have... To cooperate in the process. He will not just come and force it out. He will just point it to us. 
and uh, in, uh, he will help us to uh, stop doing those things that are harmful. The problem is this one. Uh, our nature, is th- it doesn't really like. You don't like to be pointed out, this is wrong. And, you know, we start trying to justify us and we try to find excuses. Or because the, the Holy Spirit works in such a gentle way, we don't listen to his voice. Or when we are convinced of something wrong, we go and try to find a way out and we ask theologians and we ask those people and they will give us and deceive us that there's nothing wrong in doing that. But uh, here is what Peter says, For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of man, but to the will of God. So when you decide not to live that life, the lust of man, I mean what people like and love to do, you decide this is not, it's harmful, I'm not going to do that. The only thing is, you know, that's the problem when it starts. The people that don't want to change and they don't understand what Calvary means, uh, they will not befriend to you or applaud you. Uh, because here is uh, the next two chapter, uh, the next two verses. It tells what you will happen to you when you decide to follow uh, Christ. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walk in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So when you decide to follow Jesus, your life will be changed. You will not enjoy the same thing you will do. Uh, excess of wine, lasciviousness, lust, revelings, banquetings. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about lasciviousness. You know, it's a bad word. It talks about all this sexual and all those uh, sensual things. It's not just participating, but into looking in. You will not really enjoy looking in. And you will uh, try to not do that. No, definitely, you know. You will not just not enjoy doing it. You will not enjoy looking it, or that's how it should be. The only thing is uh, when you do that and try to stay away from those things, uh, the people that are not converted, they will speak evil of you. And uh, they will think it's strange you don't do that. And I think most of us had experienced that when we visited people unconverted and tried to tell them, I don't do these things anymore. I don't really enjoy them. I don't want to do them. And then, of course, you will hear them talking behind you. But I hope we will not be discouraged of that, but keep on looking to Christ. Understand what he went through, all the suffering, the the sin that he uh, took upon himself, our sin, and paid for, and that's uh, what broke his heart. 
And I hope we will be uh, more committed to follow him no matter what people will talk and say about us. And then, uh, maybe the next time when I'll preach, I'll talk there about, you know, one of the things that will happen when you decide to that, then you, you will be able to t- go and tell other people about this love of God. And this will be something that uh, is needed in our experience that will strengthen us in our witnessing. May the Lord help us to understand uh, a little bit as much as we can about God's love. And we decide to follow him and cease from sin and follow and be faithful to him in the new year and uh, all, uh, the, all the times. Uh, amen. Our Father in heaven, thank you for uh, Christ and what he did for us. I'll pray that you'll help us to look and try to understand what the suffering and what Jesus went through to provide a way for us to be forgiven. I'll pray, dear Lord, that uh, you'll help us to decide that we will uh, leave behind us everything that causes pain to you. And sin is that and that you will give us strength and power to follow Christ in his path. Help us, dear Lord, not to be uh, affected by what people will speak about us and all the evil that they will speak when we decide to be faithful to Christ. And help us to be a witness about that great love and try to explain to others what Christ did so we can have eternal life. And because of that, we are decided and determined that we will worship you forever. And by thy grace, we hope that everyone here will be faithful to you no matter what the world will bring upon us. All this in Jesus' name I ask. Amen.